hello, everybody, and it's another Monday of Common Sense Uncensored, and I want to remind everybody that if you want to listen live, you can go to GrandForksBestSource.com, click on the Listen Now button, and chat, you can click on the Twitch link in the upper left corner, and of course, you can watch us on Rumble, and uh, everything else is going to be posted on the GFBS Facebook page, so we're out there, we're ready to be listened to, and today I have a wonderful guest. It's Mr. Mark Ewens, and we are going to be talking climate change. It is changing, it, but it has to. It does. It's natural. Well, you know, it just bothers me so much that uh, they've never met attacks for climate change that they didn't like. And I'm just going to quote something here real quick because I, I, know, I know you're an old fart like me, and so you're going to remember this. The 1960s, we were scared with oil being gone in 10 years. Mm -hmm. The 1970s, it was another ice age in 10 years. The 1980s, we had acid rain. We'll destroy all crops in 10 years. For some reason, they really like 10 years. In the 1990s, of course, we had the ozone layer is going to be gone in 10 years, and we're all going to die. And, of course, 2000, the ice caps will be gone in 10 years. And I would like to let everybody know none of that has happened, but what it has resulted in is more taxes. That's right. So I know you're a weather guy, and you're supposed to kind of toe the line, but what is your real opinion, unvarnished? And I know that it, it reflects on your expertise and stuff, but about this Falderall and Dilly Dash. Well, yes. Thank you for having me, by the way, Ken. I always Yo. appreciate the opportunity to be here and to speak what I, I know to coming. be the truth. No, it's 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 quite the deal. And actually, it's funny you should mention the taxes because I have an article here that we'll get into Woo! on eco-colonialism. Oh, and geez. it all surrounds about money and it all surrounds about taxes. And, of course, we just had the coronation, you know, a very white stage, if you heard that terminology. Yes, and, and he's really big into the environment. And he's really oh, big into the big, environment. Oh, big, big, big. I mean, no offense, but if you've ever heard the man talk, I don't think the elevator goes all the way up. So his intellectual capacity to me is probably one of a, of a prince going to college. So I'm just going to leave it at that because... I don't trust him to be um, Mr. Weather, but let's see. What did you come up with? I'm sure Joe's uh, Joe and, and the the new king <laughs> have sterling conversations. I'm sure they do. But in answer to your question, yes, there is extreme pressure upon those, well, in all the scientific communities now, to tow a specific line. And if you do not tow that line, you will be reprimanded. First, you'll be reprimanded verbally. Perhaps you'll lose your job. Or you'll be reprimanded fiscally. You'll have your research taken away. Or your pet projects will be gradually defunded to the point where you can't do them. So there are many different ways that they can force you to toe the line. Now, when I did work for the federal government, there were some statements that I made in public that are on the press that you can find them, articles that I basically was told, you will read these, period. You like working for us. You like your salary. And, of course, you don't realize the powers that they have until you're in that position. Yep. And you say, yes, I've got seven mouths to feed. I can read this. At the time, the pablum wasn't as offensive as it is now. So it's gotten to be quite traumatic. I, I wanted to backtrack and talk about, because you talk about climate change. Mm -hmm. Well, again, climate has to change. It does. At the end of the day, it is not a static entity. It has always changed. It will always change. It's changing because of, wait for it, the sun. So until you can figure some way of putting the sun out, 
about, then we're going to have climate change because the sun is not static. We have this thing called the solar constant. It's a myth. There is a number that you learn in school about so many watts per square meter that fall upon the earth on average from the sun. But that number varies and it varies significantly. So as far as the weather or the climate being static, no, it's not. It never will be. It never has been. It's the sun. It's not a freaking light bulb. It's it's mother nature. It's it's a planet. Right. It has fluctuations just due to the fact that it's basically a planet. And therefore, the fact that man in his hubris believes that we can control it is amazing to me. Yes. And so we really cannot. Now, we can change things in the climate by making concrete parking lots where there used to be a grass field. We can go ahead and change the climate by, well, changing the flow of water and having it divert into a different direction. So an area that maybe once was relatively moist is now arid, and then that changes the radiative balance. So from the standpoint of a purist, are we changing the climate? Yes, but we're doing it in such a way that has nothing to do with a trace gas, carbon dioxide. And again, I've said this before, but it needs to be said again, even if the United States turned off all CO2 output today, the Earth would continue to change if CO2 were the primary gas because of China, because of India, because of Russia. And there's one other that always escapes me until I see the paper. It's like Brazil or somebody. I forget. But there are other countries that to total, well, China puts out more CO2 than the other next five they countries. Are, they are not, and they're they not are not slowing stewards down. of the environment. And they're not slowing no. down. That's the thing. So this is all a money grab. It's all a power grab. And that's basically all that it is. So when it comes to taxes, when it comes to the desire to continue to raise taxes, that's all this is. This is eco-colonialism. Now, colonialism, also known as imperialism, is historically bad. It's never really worked out for anyone over It's not the a good term. word. It's not a good word. And that's where we're headed because the taxation that's being placed upon us in the form of penalties or other taxes to fund the green movement really has nowhere to go but into the pockets of those who are driving the ship. It really does not benefit people. And time and time again, history has shown that electricity produced by coal or natural gas or other oil-based products, is the number one generator of an economy, causes economies to boom, people then prosper underneath it. And while green energy may at some point down the future be an adjunct that is viable, to use it as a primary right now is suicide. Well, we're going to be talking about some of their um, wonderful options like the windmills and the solar panels and stuff as we go on today. But I did want to mention that um, I've got papers here where scientists working on the most authoritative study on climate change were urged to cover up the fact that the world's temperature hasn't risen for the last 15 years. A leaked copy of the United Nations reports compiled by hundreds of scientists, and we all know how they love scientists, Mm -hmm. show politicians Politicians in Belgium, Germany, Hungary, and the United States raised concerns about that final draft because it showed that the temperature had not increased. The variations in the global temperature are within what we would call a statistical normal. You expect, uh, in this, we're going to have an El Nino that appears to be forming. That's extra energy being released basically from the Pacific Ocean into the atmosphere. That will cause the global temperature to go up. That happens. We're coming out of a La Nina where the temperatures were drawn down because of the cooler waters in the Pacific. And there are other larger scale features than El Nino or La Nina, but that's the one they focus on because that's the one that has some skill. 
and people recognize it. But most important, the weather modification in the atmosphere caused by a La Nina or El Nino impact the most populous areas of the United States. So it becomes immediately a bargaining chip in the media to be used. The atmospheric river that's going to produce rain bombs. I mean, I'm sorry, Al Gore, what were you sniffing, dude? It's interesting you say that because since it was issued to governments, they've raised hundreds of objections about the 20-page summary for policymakers, which sums up the finding of scientists because it doesn't say what they wanted to hear. And the report is expected to say the rate of warming between 1998 and 2012 was about half the average of the rate since 1951 due to variations of El Nino and La Nina, exactly what you said. And what has really thrown a monkey wrench into the whole process is that they went back and did a reanalysis of the satellite data of the temperature, not just in the atmosphere, but in the one place it was supposed to show up, and that's the troposphere, the next layer up. There were supposed to be a whole lot of changes within the troposphere, the stratosphere, and it has yet to appear. Matter of fact, it's non-existent within the satellite data. The article was just released. Of course, it was immediately squashed. And the two scientists that published it are now basically finding themselves on a fundless road because their work that came out, you know, again, the changes are all within what is considered the statistically expected envelope. And as a matter of fact, looking at the temperature data here in the Northern Plains, specifically the Red River Valley over the course of the last 20 years. Not only have we plateaued, but our temperatures have actually slightly come down. And in part of that is natural variation, part of that is La Nina, but we are seeing a change in the wrong direction from the globe. Well, it says scientists are under pressure to explain why the warming has not exceeded 1998 levels. Right. Uh, I mean... People are trying to tell the truth, and they're being told, no, you can't, and, and damn it, you better, like you said, you better toe the line or else. Yeah. So. Well, I have a, might be kind of a silly question. I don't know if it's on me. Okay. Um, but I thought I heard something, you know, with the, the CO2, that if a volcano erupts, that that's like going to release more than you could produce in like, like decades. But we had one of those go in Washington, and that was in the early 80s, wasn't well, we it? Mount St. Helens? Yeah, Mount St. Helens. Mount well, that St. Helens. Was when Mount St. Helens erupted, of course, if you remember, the environmentalists said it would be centuries. Yeah. Decades, centuries. It would be this in, incredible length of time before we would actually see the local environment return back to some sense of normal. And it took just a decade before things started to rapidly return to normal. And here we are now, 40 years out from the 50 years out from the St. Helens event. Nothing. Life is beautiful out there. It's back to where it was. So we know from history that we really do a really bad job of forecasting nature's ability to repair itself. And the atmosphere is essentially self-healing and also self-correcting. So that will happen. But briefly to go back to Al Gore's thing about the atmospheric rivers and the rain bombs. He misused two terms that have been in the meteorological lexicon for decades. The the names have changed slightly over the years, but the same basic premise that rivers of water vapor in the atmosphere produce storms is something that's just, it's, it's what we know. We use it every day in forecasting. And with the advent of the new satellite technologies, we see them with greater clarity. So we realize, oh, this isn't something that's unusual. This is something that has been happening all along. But because we see it with new technologies, it's all new. Yeah, I know. Well, and the big thing that I have is this big thing now with carbon capture and the, the CO2 and, and all of this stuff. That's Because... He, 
I believe what's happening is this. They wish to reduce the population. Population exhales CO2. Mm-hmm. And I think that's why they're concentrating so much on that, because I believe further down the line, they're going to use that as the reason why the population needs to be reduced. Right now, of course, they're concentrating on cow farts, cow, cow belches, and everything else. But what, what I'm wondering about is this. We need CO2 for the earth to thrive. It's what plants need. Yes. And so all this push forward plant-based everything else, if we start screwing around with the CO2, can we not mess this ship up and drive it right off the, the flat earth, as I like to say? Well, you know, that's exactly what people do not think beyond their motivation to do something. Change is good. No, change is rarely good where humans go because we tend to do the wrong things. And you're, you hit upon one of the most unspoken but perhaps critical rules of the green movement. You reduce the CO2, but you want to go to plant-based? Aren't you just shooting yourselves in the foot? Don't say that. Shh, I don't want to hear that. But that's exactly what it is. The more vegetation you're going to try to grow, the more carbon dioxide you need in the atmosphere, the more soil you're going to need. Now, humans, of course, we get in the way because, well, aside from the fact that we are CO2 generators to a small extent, we tend to be rebellious when we start to realize that the wool has been pulled over our eyes and people start to fight. And you're seeing that when you look at with the polling numbers. You know, I know this isn't politics per se, but when you're looking what's happening within your average everyday Democrats, you're going, whoa, hold on, slow down a minute. We're starting to see the ramifications of what you want to do, and this isn't good. So they're going to try to continue to force things moving forward. This eco-colonialism, which is now on a fast track, uh, one of the people who's really pushing it uh, up to a decade ago, for example, the World Bank. Their main mission, the World Bank, was to reduce hunger and was to reduce poverty. Well, in 2013, Jim Yong Kim, who is a South Korean registered Democrat in the United States now, but he was born in South Korea. So, of course, he's a friend because he's born in South Korea. Uh Anyway, but he's a Democrat and he's using climate change as a bludgeon to reverse the World Bank's direction of producing Uh, an environment that would allow third world countries to grow, but quite the opposite, to go ahead and fall farther into poverty. He wants to strip them of their coal, even the cleaner coals. And what we don't hear in the typical mainstream media is how green the energy of the coal industry has become because they saw what was coming years ago. And I have a relative who has worked in that industry, and he says the scrubbers, that is the way that they can pull the dust and the carbon dioxide and things out of the atmosphere coming from coal-fired plants, is phenomenal. They've reduced their their carbon footprint significantly, but you never hear that in the media because they recognize what was coming, thinking perhaps they could appease the monster. Well, unfortunately... It, the monster wants to eat them anyway. They don't want to be appeased. In fact, they know when they've got a, a cash cow, and they're going to they're going to they're going to use it as right up to our basically the middle class's demise. I'm going to do a really sure. quick thing with a new uh, profit margin break with Churchill's shoes. Welcome aboard, Churchill's shoes. One of the largest SAS dealers in the upper Midwest is now in the Grand Cities Mall and ready to find you a pair of shoes that you will love. At Churchill Shoes, they measure both feet to make sure you're getting the proper fit. They carry men's and women's styles and offer free special orders when shoes aren't in stock and free in-town delivery. Churchill Shoes has operated in Grand Forks for over 65 years and over 75 years of shoe fitting experience on their staff and can cater to all of your footwear needs. Open Monday through Friday from 
9 to 5 and Saturday from 9 to 3. Call 701-772-8256 or online at churchillshoesnd.com. Next time you're in need of footwear, give us a try. Your feet will be glad you did. Churchill Shoes in the Grand City Mall. Welcome aboard Churchill Shoes. And I want to get back to what you were talking about because exactly, I, I, spent, I have no life. I spent yesterday researching Agenda 2030. And Agenda 2030 Scary. is loaded with all the stuff you just talked about, about raising up third world countries and everything else because of climate, um, climate inequities and everything else. And when I'm reading through it, I'm going, it's going to do the exact opposite. Exactly, exactly. It's going to cause them to fall even further and further into despair. It's going to hurt their economies. It's going to result in an environment not only economically, but physically within their production schemes that's going to cause them to collapse. And I think that they really don't understand this, that what they're trying to do At some level, we could say it's a good idea. It's a good idea. But again, humans tend to take good ideas and invert them to our benefit first because the eco-colonialism has to satisfy one primary requirement. Those in charge must be kept safe, must make money, must be rich, and most importantly, must be insulated from the damage that they are going to level against the third world countries. Yes. One seventh of the world, I think I look at, excuse me, I have to look at my notes because, you know, I'm old and I can't remember <laughs> everything. And my memory, where to put my car keys? One seventh of the world has no electricity at all. Yeah. Now, that's a relatively significant number of people. And most of those, again, are in the sub Saharan, the African continent, and other places where you simply cannot get your, your uh, solar systems to work properly because the infrastructure there, but a coal-fired plant, something uh, that generates electricity in another way, you can string electric wires. I mean, you can do a lot of different things to get uh, electricity to these areas with existing infrastructure. To totally revamp it is not going to happen. So that one-seventh of the world population without electricity, think about it, folks. You turn the tap on. What oh, if there's no pumps to drive the water? Um, oh, wait, you know, no air conditioning in the, in the hottest summers in the parts of the world. Oh, the hospitals are going to be shutting down because everything in a hospital, everything now runs on electricity. And their backup generators are, wait, oh, diesel. And so without the fossil fuels, the economy collapses very quickly, and not just the economy, but all you sick people, well, have a nice day. Well, and Agenda 2030 wants to get rid of plastic. Yes. Take a look around your house, look at your phone, look at everything you have. What does not contain plastic? Uh, er, Not much. Right. Now, humans, again, have done a horrible job in the recycling realm. You know, I mean, we can talk about the great Pacific Ocean gyra of junk that is out there. But, oh, wait, that would be primarily Chinese and other foreign countries who have dumped that plastic into the Pacific Ocean. Not Americans. The greatest polluter on the earth, the one that's driving the climate change agenda, and that is benefiting China. Not us. And it's kind of funny because guess who wants to come over here, buy our lands up and put up battery factories for electric cars and everything else? That would be China. And they're using as a uh, selling point to get people to move out and sell their land to them as, well, you don't want to be around all this lithium battery dust, do you? No. So, no. I got a quick question, too, because I mean, if you take a, talk about this going on, you know, like a, a power grab. Mm-hmm. So... I know that, you know, when there's 
uh, Texas had, you know, something go down. So they actually started taking electricity from North Dakota to mm-hmm. supply it to yes. Texas. Mm-hmm. Well, now if they're trying to implement all this in like California, their grid can't even maintain it. Right. So what are they going to do? They're just going to start trying to pull electricity from all of the other states. I don't know where they're going to pull the electricity from because most states' electric grids run near capacity all the time anyway. And so to be able to suddenly say, well, you need to give us an extra couple of hundred thousand kilowatts per per hour or whatever the case may be, it's not going to be there. The electric grid runs near capacity much of the time. That's why when there is a failure, it tends to cascade over a larger area than the system itself is designed, especially in the populated areas. Well, and I don't know how much... They can control everything, but you know, if, if now say California, their grid is getting too overwhelmed because all the electric cars and everything, so they just say, "Oh, uh, North Dakota, it's summer, so we're just going to make it so they can't turn up their thermostats past 50. I actually have an answer to your question. Okay. The smart thermostats they've got now, oh, what yeah. they've started to do is excels customers with smart thermostats in the city were prohibited from controlling their own AC for hours on Tuesday, and they confirmed that 22,000 customers who joined the company's AC rewards program, they got $25 off a bill. Right. So they did, were locked from controlling their thermostats. They had their thermostats set at 80 on one of the hottest days of the year. And why was this? This was because they actually had a brownout in another city and they diverted all of the electricity. It said that uh, nearby city had hot weather, hot air, high AC use, usage create, created an emergency. And so literally they stole from these people to give it to those people so everybody could keep their lights on, but nobody was comfortable. And it's just brand new too. The government is limiting refrigerant production for AC units. So mm-hmm. pretty soon you may have an AC unit, but if it needs a repair... Or if it needs new refrigerant, they said this year, 2023, that price is going to be going up to three to $500 more than it was before because they don't have the refrigerant available. And why is that? Because everybody wants to be green. And you see, this is actually something in retrospect. Of course, hindsight truly is 2020. We can look back and XL Energy has had a program in place long before the smart thermostats where they said, look, we'll put a little box on your, on your system. And so when the power demand gets to be too great, we'll just turn your compressor off for 10 or 15 minutes at a time, and we'll rotate that through. So you can live 10 or 15 minutes on a hot day without AC because most houses are insulated well enough because of our cold weather to stay cool on the inside. And that was a great idea. And then, yes, we will give you a, a balance back on your bill of 25 30 bucks. Well, that's a great idea. So we became conditioned this way over the last several decades. Then all of a sudden we reach a tipping point, and now it's like, well, we're just going to shut your power off totally for a while. Your refrigerator, your freezer, everything else. And if you're in a rural area and you are maybe on an REC, they then become taxed and have to pull their power to go elsewhere. So it's, it's starting to show that the house of cards is not nearly as robust as we once thought. Well, and not just that, but with the Waters Act that uh, yes. that they're doing, they're also, if everybody may have noticed, but there's been this big push to let somebody in to change your water meter. Mm-hmm. Your water meter is now a smart meter too. Yes. So that they can limit the amount of water that you use when you're able to utilize it and how much you're going to get. So in other words, once we get to the social 
credit score? Mm-hmm. Well, you're right. going to have be, you better learn to live in the dark and not need a lot of water because those people are going to be able to turn it off and turn it on and give it to somebody who's much more deserving than you are. And if you think I'm lying, that's why there's been a a thing where they're going to actually. Uh, I know in my area, they said you, if you haven't answered the letter, if you haven't scheduled the time to get the smart meter in, they're going to start fining you yes. until you let them in your house to, to start governing your water. Yep. Otherwise, there will then be other hell to pay. Yeah. So it's it's all of this green movement. It's all about the climate change. It's all about the push for control for the water. And it's all about control mm-hmm. because I don't think it has a bloody thing in hell to do about the actual weather or the water. Do we have dry cycles? Of course we do. Followed usually by extremely bad wet cycles, mm-hmm. which are hell to pay because we're, then we're all running around screaming, turn off the tap. Again, it's called the weather. And look at what has happened in the West over this past winter. And I've got a son who lives in Salt Lake in the Salt Lake Basin. He says they have received anywhere from 800 to 1,200% of normal precipitation for the year in a five-month period. Yep. He says it's caused the Great Salt Lake to come up three to four feet. Now, that's a long way to go from where it needs to be when it was back in the 80s. But most of that is because of human beings and poor water management. And yes. that's because you've got some states where they, they say, you know what, there is no restriction. I understand that we have to live in a free society, but there also has to be a little common sense usage to it. We have to understand that what I take from downstream may impact, or upstream, excuse me, may impact, impact a downstream. And that's part of our tenant, is to be responsible. I mean, the, the Greens have nothing over us. No. We were the original responsible unit. Uh, Mark, how can you say that climate change doesn't exist when the vast majority, 97%, Al Gore's famous number. So, again, if you'll excuse me for a moment, because I have to read stuff because, you know, I can't do the numbers <laughs> in my head. But in 2009, 97%, keep that mind, uh, that number in mind. In 2009, so not that many years ago, the, uni- the University of Illinois sent a survey online to 10,000 scientists with the following two questions. Number one, do you agree? that global temperatures have generally risen since the pre-1800s? And question two, do you think that human activity is a significant contributing factor? Of the 10,000 that were sent out, only 3,146 respondents came in of that 10,000. And of that 31%, 90% said yes to the first question, but 82% said yes to the second question. Okay, this is how the fraud is propagated, right? Of all the people who used the survey, they narrowed down the responses and found that among meteorologists, your average everyday weather people who responded, only 64% agreed to the second question. So about one-third said no. Okay. Then, disregarding all others of the 3,146 respondents, they focused only on the 77 who described themselves as climate scientists without any proof of to whether or not they are actually a climate scientist. And of that, 75% said yes. So you take the 75 into 77, there's your 97%. So out of a 10,000 uh, survey questionnaire sent out, you basically had 77 people who really were qualified to answer the two questions. Your average meteorologist looks at computer models on a daily basis and goes, you know, they do an okay job for forecasting the weather a couple of days in advance with the human being knowing the fallacies and the problems with the model and adjusting. But for climate models, that when they go back and they rerun them to today and go, wait, this is way overestimated. We need to work on remodeling that. 
They ignore that altogether. So your 97% is a subset of, of a smaller number that it, no, it's, it's hokey pokey. It's voodoo science. Well, and l- look at this. Senator John Kennedy asked the uh, Deputy Secretary of Energy, if we spend $50 trillion to become carbon neutral in the U.S. by 2050, give me an estimate of how much that's going to reduce the world temperatures. Uh, so first of all, it's a net cost. It's uh, um, benefits. We're getting our act together. Reduce Kennedy, let me ask you, maybe I'm not being clear, if we spend $50 trillion to become carbon neutral by 2050 in the U.S., how much is that going to reduce temperatures? Turk, again, this is a global problem we need. So how much is, uh, well, well, the United States, we're, we're 13% of global emissions. So Kennedy goes, you don't know, do you? You really just don't know. These people are using scare tactics and stuff, and they have no freaking answers because there are none. The most important figure that you brought out there that gets glossed over, we are 13%. 13%. 13% of the global contribution. Nobody talks about China because right now China, I don't know, China's got nude photos of everybody. I have no idea what they've got, <laughs> what leverage they have over the politicians. They've got something. They have them, they have them over a barrel that they're terrified of what, of what the Chinese government's going to do. And that's what's screwing this country up right there, is that China wants to dominate us. I know we're kind of getting off the topic. No, but not, that's really basically, not really at all. Not really at all. That's the heart of the matter right there. The heart of the matter is that China has had a long-term plan. We're in the final 30 years of their 100-year goal to usurp the United States as the preeminent global power. And we're helping them, at least our government, I should say. When you have 52 Chinese factories that want to go into just Michigan, Mm -hmm. just Michigan, and buy up all kinds of farmland and load the air up with lithium battery dust and everything else, Houston, we have a problem. But first, we have an executive properties ad to do. And then, uh, Paul, can we do that video after that? Sure. Because that fits right in with what we're talking about. So executive properties, let's go. Oh, that's okay. Oh, by the way, as, while Paul is looking for the executive property ads, I want you to know that they do garage door repairs and replacements. And after the winter we've had, it's great. Are you still putting off that project around the house that's been bugging you forever? Do you think you can wait until spring and call a contractor and have the work done ASAP? Well, good luck with that. Executive Properties has openings right now to get that project done. In fact, you can check out their Google reviews. Austin says Barry and the team did a great job putting a deck skirt on my deck. It gave the deck a great finished look and helps keep my dog from getting covered in mud every morning. Would recommend them for any project, large or small. Tell you what, for that project you want done sooner than later, call Executive Properties, 701-330-1273. Make sure you get your uh, appointment set up because the boys are busy. All right. Can we do that one? Yeah, um, here. What do I need to do? Of course not. It says live podcasting, people. <laughs> Hang on. This is pretty good If because it fits in right with what we were talking about. There it is. All right. I cannot. Your best guess. You don't have to be accurate. That's all right. Yeah, I only hear the voices in my head. (laughs) All down line. Repeat that question. What percent of our atmosphere is CO2, carbon dioxide? Wild guess. It's okay. 
I'll buy it 5%. Fine. I'll just follow you. <laughs> <laughs> we'll go seven. That's my favorite number. I'll see there five and um, suggest that we know that transportation causes 49% of CO2. So that's why we're all working on okay. energy transition. All right. So what number do you think it is? Eh, five. Five? What about you? I didn't hear you, Mr. Oh, Ayer. Seven. Seven. Did you have one, uh, Mr. Boyd? So we got a five, seven. Uh, the price is right. Eight. I'm going to hit the high end. All right. Well, I, I appreciate that, and I don't mean to I put you on ice. I ask a lot of people that because all we hear is climate change, climate change, CO2, CO2. I heard a couple of you on the panel saying you're looking to change your vehicles to electric, even though we don't have the electric grid. And me as a farmer, I wouldn't be real happy about running out and replacing $300,000, $500,000, million-dollar pieces of equipment because someone wants it to be electric. The answer is 0.04%. Thank you, Mr. Chairman. Panelists, okay. let me just go right down the line real fast. What percent of our atmosphere is CO2? Here's the deal, folks. you got to understand. These are the green energy experts, mm-hmm. and they're the ones that are taxing you. They're the ones telling you how you're supposed to live. They're the ones telling you all the histronics about how we're all going to die. They're scaring your children to death, and they don't frickin' even know the answer to the question. No, nor do they know that the most potent greenhouse gas in the atmosphere is not carbon dioxide. It's not even really water vapor, which is right up there, or methane. I mean, and we don't, you know, methane will get a, a little passing every now and then. We'll talk about it. But uh, water vapor is so many more times a greenhouse gas. And I just use that term because it's we're in the vernacular mode yeah. of that. But it is an essential part of regulating the atmosphere. And we have zero control over water vapor. So that's why you never talk about it, because you could argue, well, we might be able to control ozone a little bit. We might be able to control methane a little bit, but we can do absolutely nothing about one of the most preeminent and global gases in the atmosphere is water vapor. And of course, they're freaking out. Look, we're seeing the poles are melting. Well, that then maybe that explains why there are forests that are being uncovered as the snow and ice melt, because it's happened before. But we don't want to talk about that, because we'd rather scare people into... into compliance. Doing, appliance. Doing yeah, it. compliance. And what I'd like to know is, where are my friends in the Audubon Society? They're okay with all the birds we're killing with the wind turbines. They're fine with that. What about the Greenpeace and all the whales that we're causing to beach and otherwise be harmed because of the subsonic frequencies from the towers in the water, the wind towers that are creating frequencies that are jamming their sonar? Where are all those who supposedly love the natural wildlife that we are destroying? You're going to love this because I saw an ad for wind turbines today and they were using an actual rooster, a chicken running through to try to prove how green it was. And I'm thinking, isn't that interesting? Because wind turbines are responsible for bird deaths in the USA. Three major studies estimated bird deaths from the turbines, placing an annual death toll at 100,000 to 450,000 in the UK, 10,000 to 100,000 just killed annually birds by the wind turbines. Those are just two countries. And if you've ever seen those, those wonderful windmill farms that they've got up there. They're, the ground's littered. Mm-hmm. And it's like you said, and when, when my, my friends from Michigan were talking about the problems they're having getting environmentalists to talk about the lithium dust and stuff that these factories are going to cause, they said, 
All the environmentalists refuse to comment because they're afraid the government's going to take away their grants. Exactly what you said. Bingo. That's it. We're being held hostage, those in the research community, by the almighty dollar. And there are fewer and fewer people who are willing to speak out about that. So again, where's the Ottoman society? They have totally lost credit in many people's eyes because of this. Again, and where is Greenpeace and all those who are supposedly very concerned about our oceans and our ocean animals? We'll talk about the plastic island, the Pacific, and the detriment that that's causing, but we won't talk about the wind turbines. Oh, wait, solar panels. Okay, solar panels are by nature very dark color, black typically, but there are also some grays and some other shades. But they take far more re-radiative heat and put it back into the atmosphere and electricity they generate. I think the latest iteration of solar panels is somewhere around 5%, maybe 6% efficient, which means the other 94% of sunlight that's hitting the solar panels in some way, shape, or form goes back into either infrared long wave, and that's the, that's the thing that heats us up, or basically just gets re-reflected back into the atmosphere. So when we want to talk climate change, the biggest offenders to changing the climate are those who are making the earth green by making it darker. Well, take a look. Solar panels due to retire by 2030 in the United States alone will cover 3,000 American football fields. Yeah. And most of that stuff that they're made of is not recyclable. The wind turbines, the fiberglass wind blades are not recyclable. They're working on a way to, to, to recycle the mm-hmm. wind turbines, but it involves massive amounts of chemicals, heating them up in a kiln to like 400 and some million degrees. <laughs> and then they've got this new, new thing that they've created. It's a new chemical that literally eats away at the fiberglass. Um, I'm not real happy about some of these new things that they're developing. They're going to save the environment because I remember how plastic bags, plastic, plastic grocery bags were going to save the world because those nasty, those nasty grocery bags that were made out of paper Mm -hmm. were going to kill us all and ruin the, ruin the forests. And now what do we have? We have Landfills filled with plastic bags, trees filled with plastic bags, plastic bags everywhere, and they won't degrade and they don't recycle worth crap. Right. And I will remind folks, I've talked about this before, but this is really important that we understand that when you build a hydroelectric dam, that was going to be the next greatest thing to produce electricity because it was natural. You have to flood enormous Enormous. areas that used to be covered by trees or other vegetation. That material that is now submerged under 30, 40, 50, 100 feet of water disintegrates, dies, the biomass then releases carbon dioxide into the atmosphere. So those dams that are designed to produce hydroelectric electricity, which are sporadic in most instances, there are a few, such as Hoover Dam and some of the other ones across the globe that are relatively constant, they are a small percentage of the overall electricity generated and necessary. And again, going back to the eco-colonialism, we're basically going to take away the fundamental driving force which has kept civilization moving forward, and that is electricity. So I hope you've got lots of wood to burn. Oh, wait, that produces... You can't do, you that, can't either. do that either. Especially in California. Right. They don't even want you to have your charcoal grill in California. And then I look at things like uh, a local guy has an EV that he drove just 9,000 miles last year, and he needs to charge it every night. His electric bill was 450 per month. Now it's $1,000 each month. 
And that isn't even a, a big deal because we don't have enough electric cars right now to put any stress on the grid. Once we all are demanded to start driving electric cars, what do you think the electric bills are, are going to be for you? Not to mention, what do you think the quality of your lights? Mm-hmm. Uh, New York just came out and mandated that people are no longer going to be able to have natural gas stoves. They're all going to have to be electric. This is this is uh, it's insanity. They're, they're putting they're putting a gun to our head, and they're going to have to turn around and reverse the whole thing. Now, of course, what we both have to say is that people, again, on the right, are all green and are all conscious about what we're doing. We have to do it responsibly, though. What our friends on the left are trying to do is they're trying to accelerate a process to where the infrastructure simply is not ready and you're going to harm far more people in multitudes of thousands than you're going to uh, to enhance their lives. You're going to cause third world nations to collapse. You're going to turn the United States into a third world nation. You think that we're headed in the right direction? Let us get there organically. Let the free market do what it does best and innovate and get things to actually work better. But I think that is their idea is to make America a third world country because they want to destroy America and they want to destroy the middle class in America. Because once you do that, then you have exactly what they what they enjoy, which is the elite upper crust. Mm-hmm. Everybody else below is in servitude to the upper crust because they, I mean, China has very few people that are doing well. Mm-hmm. They have millions and millions of people who are living hand-to-mouth, day-to-day, and don't even breathe without, without permission. And it's, that's what they want across the world. And it looks like they may actually be using this, I do believe, to get it. Sure. Well, again, this is the eco-colonialism. Colonialism being basically the same as imperialism. A group of people here, and it's a relatively small subset of society that has the power that then dictates how the rest of society is to live, to function, and what they can do. And then eventually you find yourself on the short end of a stick. Now, History also shows that over a period of time, revolutions tend to grow out of that, and the colonialism then collapses because the masses finally get tired of what they bring forth to do, and all in the name of saving the planet. Well, guess what, folks? We can't destroy the planet. Nature is remarkably, remarkably resilient. And again, going back to the Mount St. Helens example, it was going to be forever. That land was going to be barren for decades or centuries. I forget the number, but it was a very long time. We were all going to die. And and it, it repaired itself in a decade or so. And it's back now, 40, 50 years later, it's back to where it was. And better, because nature does what nature does best. And so, you know, you're being sold a bill of goods and we need to wake up to it. Well, and and in fixing the problem, for whatever reason, but we seem to have a wonderful track record as human beings and especially as governments of making it three to four times worse than it ever was before. I give you disposable diapers because we were going to spend all the, the water was going to be used up washing diapers and stuff. So this was going to be the easy solution. So now what do we have? We have landfills filled with disposable diapers. And in this case, this gentleman actually put a, his repair bill for his electric vehicle. Apparently his uh, odometer was 70,489 miles. And suddenly in his wonderful electric car, his battery went out. Mm-hmm. Well, let's see. They tried, they gave him coolant. And took, took a look at it and stuff. But the price for the battery 
was going to be $26,853.99. And that was at 70,489 miles on that car. Now, also, I would like to say that battery, most of the components in that, not recyclable when it's buried, which it will be for disposal. All of that's going to leach into the ground, which is going to leach into the groundwater, Mm -hmm. and most of the lithium and stuff for those batteries was mined by small children in third world countries like Africa. Mm -hmm. So there you go. We love our children so much. In 2022, Germany had temporarily turned its back on the green energy movement due to the Ukraine war and had to go back to what? Coal-fired plants and other polluting uh, energy sources because they recognize that what they bought into during the transition was very short-sighted and very easily disrupted, easily disrupted. Now, the Ukraine war, as horrible as it is, is a very localized regional war. It is not on a large enough scale in of itself to cause the problems that a oh, not yet not yet not when not once Europe is fully involved in it yeah, yeah. we're waiting we're waiting on that one because they're they're tiptoeing our way right into that one full scale but but you're right it's funny it'd be suddenly all of a sudden being green wasn't so damn important because the people were literally uh, Germans I don't know if, Germans don't protest. Germans follow the rules. Mm-hmm. I've been in Germany, and these yes. people follow. I mean, they will, like lemmings, go over a cliff. These people are rule people. Yep. And they were thousands, tens of thousands of people. You, did, you didn't get to see it on our mass media, but they were in the streets protesting because they had no heat, they had no water, they had no lights, and they were pissed. Yeah. And it was surprising how fast Germany went, ah, oh, wait a minute. Yeah. And that's and you bring up another important point is that if you're relying on the, uh, the 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 big media to give you your stories, and I always say when I'm on on my radio job, I say don't take my word for it. Research. Go find research it, dig up the source materials, and do not go to MSNBC or. Don't even go to Fox. Don't trust anybody. Oh, God, go no. find the resource. The data are there on the Internet. And that's kind of the beauty of the Internet right, right now is it is still the Wild West. You can't bury everything. All the raw information that is available for you, whether it's about COVID and the National Institutes of Health and all the thing that they're saying that is not making it through the MSNBC filter, or whether it's about climate change that's not making its way through the CBS filter, it's all there. The more and more research that goes into it, they're going, wait a minute, we're headed in the wrong direction because we're really not screwing the atmosphere or the climate up as much as people are saying. But the numbers you're hearing are generally made up or taken out of context. Well, you know, it's it's just nothing more than scare tactics and a great way to make sure that more and more people have less and less. And my last profit margin break is going to be here with Life Vantage, where I get to ask, do you take collagen? And have you heard about the one-of-a-kind collagen? Well, Life Vantage has a collagen that not only replenishes your body, but helps your body create its own collagen using natural products while it maintains it. To find out more about this amazing product, please contact Stephanie Kronelka and Life Vantage. For more information, check out stephk.lifevantage.com or text 701-230-9306. That's 701-230-9306. Or you can email skbesthealth at gmail.com and biohack your life with Life Vantage. And you can also click on the link on the gfbestsource.com out there and go directly to Life Vantage. So we're going to make sure you're well taken care of there. And 
You know, we just discovered rare earth in North Dakota out in Williston. So I heard. And I just think it should be funny that people should understand that when you're looking to make one lithium car battery, a machine is required to move 500 tons of earth or ore. It burns 900 to 1,000 gallons of fuel in a 12-hour shift. The lithium ore is then refined using sulfuric acid. The proposed lithium mine is going to require up to 75 semi-loads of sulfuric acid a day. And there's also a nickel mine that's being proposed right in the middle of Tamarack in Minnesota. So it's right in the middle of some of the most beautiful, Mm -hmm. beautiful country we've got. And uh, all I can say is that it certainly doesn't sound green. In fact, it sounds to me that it's one of the bigger lies of the green energy thing, just like the data mining and the Bitcoin mining and stuff, which takes up huge amounts of electricity and water. What do they want to control? Mm -hmm. Power and water. Exactly. The United States and other green governments, which are really pushing this agenda, they're crushing the poorest of the nations. And what are the poorest of the nations then doing? They're turning their backs on the United States, and they're going to China. And China is then helping them. And China is then helping these developed countries with what they need. And the influence in Africa and Asia has grown exponentially over the last decade. So the United States... I would originally say perhaps stupidly because it's happened under both Republican and Democrat administrations, although I'm beginning to think that Republicans are involved. They're, they're working together. They're working together. That, uh, that the, the influence of China has skyrocketed while the United States continues to slide off the global scale. So if you think living in a third world country is a good idea and you want the United States to become a third world country for some mea culpa – well, and the thing that a lot of people don't realize is that uh, the China uh, China is becoming the Chinese yuan is becoming the standard for currency. Yes. For yes. the first time, the United States dollar is not going to be the standard of currency in a lot of places. They don't even want to take it, and this is going to be extremely ugly when we lose that portion of our event because once that happens it won't matter what our debt is or who owns our debt or anything else because it means that the standard of the United States dollar being the premier and most trusted currency in the world has been defaulted to the Chinese yuan. Yep, and I think it's Brazil and Russia have solidly gone on to it. I believe Greece and uh, someone else are seriously looking yes. at the yuan and ditching the dollar. And including the Middle East. Including the, the Middle, Middle East. The Middle East is really looking at it, and where do we get our oil? Exactly. So you think things are going to collapse rapidly when the Middle Eastern countries say, you know what, we're going to go ahead and ditch the dollar and take the yuan. Yep. Aren't they, isn't it called BRICS? Bricks. Yes, that's exactly it. Yeah, it's the bricks, and that's that's becoming a real thing. Excellent point to the young man in the uh, in the nice. <laughs> Well, it's just it's just so crazy for for me to take a look at at what's happening. And I sit back, and when I talk to people like I'm speaking to you and stuff, and we're just basically, you know, having a having a casual chat over a cup of coffee, and we people go, "You guys are nuts! That can never happen." The United States stands strong and tall; it will never happen. And I look at them and I go, "Well, let's see. I'm sure the Romans had the exact same feeling that the Roman Empire would never crumble. Mm-hmm. All we and wait a minute, Greece crumbled before the Roman Empire. Oh, and wasn't Egypt once? Gee willikers, could I could I name a few more? Just huge, huge embodiments of never. What? What? what, The phrase "too big to fail." Yeah, 
Yeah. Well, and unfortunately, I don't want, this is not what I want to leave for my children or grandchildren, but this is outside of our control, I believe, at the present time, unless we, the people, take over. And it doesn't have to be any form of violence. It's the ballot box. It is getting active, getting involved. And that's what this is all about, is getting involved. We become too laissez-faire in our belief in the government has our best interests at heart. And it may have up through the 40s. But after that, I think it started to slip the other way and become the behemoth that it is today. Well, the, the real problem I have is when I'm speaking to, to young people. You can literally watch the eyes roll back in the head because you're just this crazy old fart who doesn't understand the science and who, who, who's just got their head in the sand and you're just a climate denier. I'm so sick and tired of, of having these youngsters who have not lived on the planet for more than 20-some years or whatever, and I've been here for 67 and I can go, okay, they'll go, oh, this is the worst winter ever. No, that would have probably been the one in 1960 when we got the late May blizzard, which was over the roof of the house, and we had literally tunnel out our front door. But, you know, what the hell, right? Because they have no concept, quite frankly, but... Here and now, mm-hmm. and anybody that's old, they've been taught we're just idiots. Right. Well, they've been fed a false narrative as far as the history goes. That's the whole point. Again, and it goes back to what they're being told about the climate and climate change is that they're given a false narrative to which to compare. And you're right. I mean, and I think that's another point that those on the right need to pay close attention to that we have essentially lost a large hunk, not all, but a large hunk of the, the, the two generations that are coming up behind us the Generation X, the Generation Z, especially the Gen Zs, they are far more likely to be on the liberal side of the house because they think we've made a mess of things. And we need to do better at educating them and showing them the facts. But unfortunately, they have the almighty mainstream media that has really driven their boats. And what's the one big one? TikTok. Yep. Social media has... And and on social media, well, I heard it on TikTok, uh, Facebook, whatever is the flavor of the month. And so it has to be gospel. And what, what destroys all the narrative is the fact that there's censorship. They won't allow you to post a lot of the truth or they'll cover it up under a banner saying that this is, this is false. I mean, I, I, I don't think anybody sees half my posts because they're all covered up because I'm being censored. So if, if you're not, if you're right, why do you care if there's a Looney Tune out there talking? Well, exactly. We've lost the ability to have a solid debate and to recognize when somebody is not solid. <laughs> well, and, and for people that during COVID and everything else were, were running around screaming, it's the science, silly, it's the science, they seem to ignore that same science when it does not fit their agenda, which is, is the problem that they will not allow anyone such as you under penalty to speak even their opinion. If we want to talk about the fallacy of climate change, let us look at the COVID experience as a grand example to point towards us, because now we're only three years out from the beginning of that episode, and we're already seeing the deleterious effects, the increase in young people having heart attacks, the young people that are having all manner of problems that are vaccinated, and how the unvaxxed were right, that those 
who did not get vaxxed, who got the disease by the lion's share, did not have any residual effects. Now, of course, there's always going to be exceptions because there are always healthy people who didn't get the vaccine but got equally sick. I know one or two of those, and it's no rhyme or reason. So there's something genetically in their predisposition. But when you look at the bulk of the day, it's like climate change. You're always going to have that one area that's going to have record heat or record cold. You're going to have that one area that's going to have extreme weather because, well, that's what weather does. Weather is simply balancing out the atmosphere. The same thing. We don't learn from history. That's what I've always told people is the bottom line is we don't learn from history. Well, and you mentioned the models and, you know, the climate models and stuff. And how, what about the COVID models where they went out in Minnesota and bought an entire warehouse, which they never used, that they were going to put cold storage in so they could store the the hundreds of thousands of people in Minnesota that were going to die. They were going to have bodies stacked up to the ceiling and everything else, and it never happened. And when something doesn't happen, they just ignore it and walk away. It's like, oh, well. Like Just like the ozone layer was going to be gone, we were all going to burn to death, we were all going to be under the polar ice caps, now the polar ice caps are melting and the, and the bears are swimming. Uh, I hate to break it to you, but polar bears swim. That's part of what they do. So something that I uh, heard a long time ago, and it still holds true, why do they all still have beachfront property? Exactly. If you're so horrified about climate change and the rising oceans, why do you keep building in those places are going to have it? And you can look again, the title data is all available on the NOAA website. You can go find title data for the globe, for the Great Lakes, for every inland major lake across the world. And you can see where it's either been flat or the changes have been incrementally small. Martha's Vineyard is not inner country property. It's beachfront property where all of these people live. And guess what? They also don't want windmills in their backyard. So either they're extraordinarily stupid or they know something we don't. (laughs) Well, I just think, you know, it's too much lately, especially rules for thee and not for me. And, And people have been conditioned, in my opinion, to be fearful. Yes. And the biggest thing that will kill you and destroy any chance you have at living an actual well-rounded life is fear. Exactly. Yeah. You're never gonna. You're never gonna get on a plane. You're no. gonna never gonna want to leave the house. You're. I mean, you're never going to take a risk. And the the most people that have achieved anything in the world have all been the risk takers. Extreme risks. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. That doesn't mean you're free from failure. See, we've made people scared of failure. Mm -hmm. Again, fear, fear of failure, fear of risk. If I just do what I'm supposed to do, then I'll be safe. Well, the lion that lives in the cage is obviously safer than the lion that's out on on the grasslands of Africa. But which one's probably has a more enriching life? That's right. Yep. You're right. Fear of failure. That's the thing. You know what? And when you make a mistake, when you fail, you learn from it and you move on. But you're supposed to also admit it, which none of these people we've been talking about do. They just ignore it and move on. And we're all supposed to forget it. And unfortunately, or fortunately, I'm not sure which, but we've got recordings of a lot of these people making a lot of these statements and stuff. And then when you call them on it, no, that never happened. Would you like to listen? Yes. And they get to listen. And then they just go, well, you took that out of contest. The hell I did. No, no, no. 
busted. So that's the thing. You've well, got, again, do the research. Look it up. The, nothing disappears off the Internet. You can find the videos. You can find the interviews. You can find the data. Look past the first page of Google. <laughs> do not Google do at not all Google. if you can avoid it. Yes, find another source to go to. But um, people, you have to understand the weather is constantly changing. You're going to wake up and find days that are cold. You're going to wake up and find days that are warm. And if you go back far enough... And the other thing is, I'd like you to confirm this. We've really only been keeping temperature and data for an, an amazingly short time. Is that not correct? Yes. The, the consistent temperature data across the United States in a small area goes back to the 1700s when the first white settlers came to this part of the world. You go to Europe, the actual temperature data is about the same length back to the 1600s in very specific small locations. We don't have the, uh, the amount of data. In North Dakota, the climate data of some significant validity only goes back to 1895. Now, obviously, from human standpoint, that's a long time. But in the climate world, 1895, that was just last week. Exactly. So calm yourselves. Understand that uh, Mama Earth can take really good care of us, that we are not destroying her. Uh, I come from an era where a river caught on fire. So I just got to make one last yeah. point here. Sure. So even if they're talking about this climate change, this global warming, um, we're pretty good at adapting. So what's the big deal anyway? We'd have the technology to... to Make sure that happened. I mean, if we had to make water world, we'll make water world. You know, I mean, <laughs> you know, actually, though, you do bring up a very important point, And this is the one thing that people don't know. And I think we may have talked about this in the past. If I ask the average citizen, what's worse, extreme heat or extreme cold? Well, most people die from extreme heat. No, the numbers are very plain. More people die annually on a global scale and in the United States from cold. More people die of cold. Cold is a, has a higher fatality rate, well documented by the, uh, the, the CDC is and, one source. And in the middle of March, when they start screwing around with your thermostat, and, mm -hmm. you, and especially when you're older and you can't, you can't afford to pay for whatever little amount that they manage to give you for fuel, you're going to be seeing people dying. So to your point, the earth can, can adapt very well. Humans adapt very well, and we've shown that throughout history. We adapt to our climate. We adapt to the change. So let it warm up. You're better off because you can grow more crops. You can, you can do more things when the weather's warm. If people think global warming is horrible, two or three winters, like occurred uh, around the time of Charles Dickens' novels in the 1860s, 50s, whenever that was, I forget, uh, no, we would kill more people from crop failure than we ever would from heat. We got to remember that facts matter. Yep. And we, we need to, emotions are great, but we need to rule with our heads. Yes. And keep sanity involved in this. Mark, thank you again so much for coming. Well, I, thanks it's just for so asking. much fun talking to you, you know. I mean, you're such a knowledgeable guy, it, it makes an hour go so fast. Well, you know, I just, I, I can spew the BS with the best of them. <laughs> that's how you get a job in meteorology, kids. Well, that's how you get a job <laughs> podcasting, sweetheart. Everybody, happy Monday. Common Sense Uncensored is, <laughs> uncensored is saying, bye. <laughs> Thanks, kid. Bye. <laughs>